John chapter 3. While you're going there, I'm going to ask you. Hopefully, most of you would be able to claim, I know that I know that I know I'm saved. I know that I know that I know I'm born again. There was a day, there was an hour, there was a time, a place where Jesus saved me. Well, if that's true, what are you trusting in now? Now that you're saved, what are you trusting in now? Are you trusting in Christ's death to be enough? Or are you, are you at this mode of trusting in your best efforts to keep you saved? Now, that may ruffle some of you because we all naturally think we've got to do something to be saved. And we naturally think we've got to do something to stay saved. But I'm going to tell you, neither one of them will work. So you already heard my message. I guess we'll go home, right? <laughs> I wish that were true. All right. Let's uh, go to Lord in prayer. Father, I ask that you would... Um, Open our eyes to one, if, if not one of the top ten truths of the Bible. So misconstrued and so confused that it actually hurts the body of Christ to wonder, are they ever, ever able to say they're saved? Are they able to say, I know that Christ liveth in me? Or are we just on probation? Are we just sort of just struggling along our way, hoping the best until one day we find out, did we make it? Lord, thank you that you gave us assurance in Christ. You not only gave us forgiveness, but you give us assurance. Give us that great assurance this morning. Just knock the devil in his teeth. Give us great rest in Christ, never in ourselves ever again. I pray, God, it would just put a hunger and a thirst in, in, in somebody's heart this morning who's lost, that they wish that they could know, that they know that they know that Jesus died for them and that he's all they need. I pray for the preaching that it would minister to every need. It's funny how you can write a book and we can preach it and it can meet so many different needs. Would you do that today as only you can? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, there's loads of confusion about salvation. Go to John chapter 3. There's so many religions that basically say, do your best. That's all you can ever do. There are groups that that basically say you'll never know until you die. As long as you don't blow it, you'll be fine. You know, that's what you hear. Now, the Bible says some words that Eric said, uh, but a lot of people find problem with it. The Bible teaches once saved, always saved. Now, what does that mean? What does this thing, once saved, always saved, means? It means you can be saved once and for all through a single repentant act of faith in Jesus Christ. You say, how can you be so bold? That's called in the Catholic Church the sin of presumption, that you can presume that you're now okay with God. Amen. Not because I feel it, not because I've ticked all my boxes, but because God said it. End of story. John chapter 3. Let's just read our Bible for two verses here real quick. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. Stop there. What kind of world does he love? Good or bad? Say it with me. Bad. God so loved a sinful world that he gave his only begotten son. Good or bad? Come on, stay with me. I'm racing ahead. God's son is good or bad? All right, so we're bad. God's Son is good, all right, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in His goodness, did you get that? That believes in Him should not perish, but hope to have everlasting life. Is that what your Bible says? Have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. Question, is the world already condemned? Done and dusted, we're doomed. If, if you do not get saved, you don't have to do anything to go to hell. Amen? You're going. You're on the wrong train. God didn't send His Son to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be... What's that wonderful word? Amen. Not be being saved. Not hope to be saved, but be saved. <clears throat> Unfortunately for many people, the devil plays on their fears. Causes them to wonder if once a person has accepted Jesus as their Savior, once they've been born again, is it possible to lose it? Is it possible to lose salvation? Oh, what if I commit a sin after I believe? What if I commit a lot of sins? <clears throat> what if I do something really, really bad? 
Is it possible to be saved and then lose that gift of salvation? Fortunately, the answer is a resounding no. I wish I got an amen on that. Once a person has accepted Jesus Christ in their place, you are forever saved and you ought to shout for that. The truth is referred to as the doctrine of eternal security and it summarizes once saved, always saved. Now, a lot of people say, well, you can't know that you've actually been saved. Really? Did we not read it? Have everlasting life. Christ didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world could be saved. But as a Bible believer, I know three wonderful things. Are you ready? Number one, that I have eternal life. And I don't just have one verse to do it. I have at least two dozen. I need to go to First John. I'm not going to go to all of them. First John now, chapter 5. First John, all the way to the right, just before Revelation. First John, chapter 5. I hope you have a notepad and you're going to take some notes because this will come up again and again, especially when you're dealing with Christians who are constantly doubting their salvation or constantly trying to live under a series of rules and expectations and they never can say, I know I'm saved. First uh, John, chapter 5. Verse 11, 1 John 5, verse 11, <clears throat> this is the record. You're reading a written record, not a, man, some of us are old enough, we know what a whole record was, amen? <laughs> but we're talking about a record, like a record book. This is the record that God hath given to us, what kind of life? All right, if it's eternal, can it stop? No, kind of basic English. He's given us eternal life, and this life is found where? In his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. What does it take to get eternal life? The Son of God. And if you got him, what do you have? Verse 13. These things have I written unto you that work, that believe on the name of the Son of God. I mean, how hard is it to memorize and know a two-syllable word? Jesus. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't expect you to know all of his names. He's got lots of names. Did you know that? Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. He's got lots of names. The I Am. But what one name saves? Jesus. Jesus. That if anybody believes on the name of the Son of God, that ye may, please underline that next word, know that ye have eternal life and that ye may just believe on the name of the Son of God. The first thing, I'm giving you a summary. I know that I have eternal life. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Secondly, I know that God is able to keep what I committed to Him. You know what I gave Him 36 years ago? My past, my present, and my future. I gave Him my sin and myself and everything that I thought was good and I gave it all to Him. And you know what? He accepted me. Take your Bible now. Go to First Timothy. First Timothy. I said First Second Timothy. Second Timothy, <clears throat> chapter one, in verse twelve. I gave him my soul. You know, when you get saved, you don't know what to do. All you do is you're crying out in desperation. Lord, save me. Lord, I believe you. I don't know what to do. And the Lord says nothing. <laughs> but if you give me your soul, I'll give you my son. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 12, for the which cause I also suffered these things. Paul's given his testimony about suffering for preaching what I'm preaching right here. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for, listen to what he says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. What does persuaded mean? Convinced is a good word. Totally convinced that he, not me. Aren't you glad we didn't write the Bible? Because we'd write, I'm fully fully convinced that I am able to keep what I've committed unto him. That, that's not what it says. It says he is able to keep, to hold on to, to protect that which I've committed unto him against the day of Christ. Third one. Third one. Third thing I know. I hope you get to know it. And that one is that God's grace, I don't care how much. You say, brother, you don't realize after I got saved, I fell off into sin. I got away from God. I didn't even believe in God for a while. God's grace was good enough to get you saved. God's grace is good enough to keep you saved. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And you ought to be ashamed of falling away. You ought to be ashamed of messing around with sin. Amen. 
This is not about, oh, I, I should, I should be able to allow sin in my life. I should be, I now have a license to sin. I now can do anything I want. That is not right. No Christian has a right to sin. You will. And you ought to be ashamed when you do wrong. And when you stray away. And when you fall into the traps of the devil, believing the lies that he throws at you. But let me tell you this. God's grace is greater than all your stupidity. Amen, amen, and amen. Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Wait a minute. The law was to show me all of my sin. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So, you know, ever since I got saved, I became more keenly aware. Is this true in your life, Gavin? When you got saved, did you become more keenly aware of your sin? Didn't you? Didn't you feel like, I can't watch that stuff. I can't hang around that person anymore. They just make me feel dirty. Well, you know, that's good. Let me tell you, the Bible says the law is there and you become keenly aware of God's law. Your conscience gets activated again and all of those sins become apparent in your life. But what does it say about it? It doesn't crush you. It doesn't destroy you. What is it that God offers when the law convicts us? Grace. Kindness. Let's put another word for it. Mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve. I hope you know those three things. You know those three things. The devil won't pull the rug out from under you like he normally does. Now, by way of summary, three things. Number one, go, to, go back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 18. We read 16 and 17. Let's look at 18 now. John 3, 18. I said uh, 15 to 18 this time. <clears throat> John 3, 15, twice. John records Jesus saying these words, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have Eternal life. For God sent, sorry, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. He's repeating himself, making sure, you know, when my mom repeated herself, my dad never repeated himself. Can I say that? But when my mom repeated herself, I mean, it was to make a point. Amen. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is, is, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Simply why? Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I mean, it's pretty powerful. So, according to John 3, I have everlasting life. I do not hope for it. Secondly, John 10, 28. John 10, 28. It's nothing like a good Bible study to clear up doctrinal error. John chapter 10, verse 27. I'll go back to 27 just so that you see it. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them, there's that word again, eternal life. What kind of life do you have right now? I'm talking about in your body. As a normal, natural human being, what have you got? Temporary. How many of you are planning on dying? You better. <laughs> Amen. It's going to happen. Now, we do have a secret way out of here. It's called the rapture, but we can't count all that. The Bible says that he gives a different kind of life. It's called eternal life. Let's keep going. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand, my Father's hand. And Brother Weston said, the deity of Jesus Christ, over and over, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. So, somebody, I heard somebody one time say, well, Jesus said that no man's able to pluck them out of my hand. But I can get out of his hand. And I looked at him and I said, are you a man? And they looked at me, they didn't get it. I said, think, 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 think. No man's able to pluck them out. Are you a man? Yeah. Then you can't get out of the hand. Amen. Hallelujah. No man's able to pluck them out of my hand. Jesus gives eternal life, and it is eternal from the moment that you believe. 
You say, I was just a kid. I was nine years old. I didn't understand what, what's, how bad sin was. I didn't realize all that it was going to cost me to get saved. I just knew that I didn't want to go to hell. I just knew that I was lost. I wanted Jesus to save me. Is that really enough? Yes. Isn't that wonderful? That Jesus would make it so easy that a thief on the cross who could not even hug him, that couldn't even touch him, that couldn't get baptized, that couldn't go to church, that even a thief on the cross could just believe. And he'd be born again. Amen. One more. 1 Corinthians 1.18. 1 Corinthians 1.18. Now, as as always, Brother Dan knows it. Brother Andrew knows it. Anybody stand behind this pulpit? Brother Dan, people look at us and kind of don't look in people's faces sometimes, do you? Because you know you're you're saying some of the most foolish things. You know there are people sitting, usually they're on the back row. But anyway, uh, there are people uh, who are sitting there going, this is crazy what he's saying. But look at your Bible. Look at your Bible. First Corinthians 1.18, for the preaching of the cross, especially, is to them that perish what? It's craziness. But unto us which hope to be saved. Is that what it says? And us which are saved, it is the power of God. Folks, we are saved, unless you've got one of them newfangled Bibles. You got one of the newfangled Bibles, and I'll talk about them next week. You get one of the newfangled Bibles, and guess what? They snuck in those verses. Oh, we're being saved, Brother Ledbetter. You go right ahead. I is. That may not be good English, but it sure is good doctrine. Hallelujah. Your spiritual condition before God has never been good. Amen. And it still ain't good, by the way. (laughs) Go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Romans 3.10 says these very strong words. As it is written, there is, say it with me, none righteous, no, not one. Wow. So is anybody righteous? Not on their own. Not on their own. Now, I know, I know I've got you in, in, in Romans and back and forth and back and forth. I can't apologize, but go to John chapter 3, verse 36. You've got to go back and forth. That's what I'm saying. John chapter 3, verse 36. You say, Brother Ledbetter, you're fine pastor. Great preacher. Keep talking. You, uh, you really love your people. You really love the Bible. You really do your best. All those wonderful words. I know it's coming. Abner, um, he says, um, somebody says, you know, but um, honestly, I'm not that bad. You ever meet anybody like that? I'm not that bad of a person. Pastor, you can't call me a sinner. I don't call anybody a sinner. I don't need to judge you. Bible, Bible already has. John chapter 3, verse 36. He that keeps the law hath everlasting life. Did I read the wrong verse? Is that a wrong Bible? He that believeth on the Son hath, present tense, right now, everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son of God. You say, brother, what does it take to go to hell? A lack of Jesus Christ. Doesn't that blow you away? What lack I yet? Jesus. He that believeth not the Son shall never see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You say a good person... A person who's never heard a flea, who, who, who helps spiders out the window like Bill, who, who, <laughs> who stops in the middle of the road for ducks to cross the highway, something like that, he's going to go to hell? Yes, if they've not been born again. Your spiritual condition to God. Now, you and I, wow, to others, we may seem so nice and sweet and good and religious. Unless something has changed on your inside, if you've not, if you, unless you've been born again by the Spirit of God, you are completely lost. You can't find God. You'll never find God. You're dead in your sins, the Bible says. You're blind to how wicked you are. You see, you're not just blind to God, you're blind to you. Until you're born again, you think you're okay. Until, you know, you may think you're fine until the doctor puts you in that MRI or that CAT scan. Uh, in front of that x-ray machine, that, that x-ray machine reveals what you didn't see. 
And this here book's the most perfect x-ray machine ever. He reveals how we really are. And until you realize you are blind to how wicked you are, you'll never get born again. That's why you fight me. You, you sit and you, you argue with me while I'm preaching. Because you don't want to admit it. God's right. And you're wrong. You're under the power of darkness. And by the way, you're the lusts of your father ye will do. Not just the will of your father. The scariest message I would ever preach is that if you're not saved, you're doing his lusts. You think about that. You think about the wicked men who take the lives of young girls and they do anything they want with them. That's what the devil does with you until you're born again. You're in bondage, you're slave to sin, and your sinful habits. Man, that's so negative. Yep. Yep. That's your spiritual condition for God. You're without hope, without God in the world. You're a mess. So unless something changes, you're under the judgment and the wrath of God for the rest of eternity. Is that how you want to live out your life and go off into eternity? Is that how you want to do it? Say, can anybody be made right with God? Go to Job. Job. Just before Psalms, powerful book, the book of Job, chapter 25. Job chapter 25 and verse 4. It would be really nice if, if we would be prepared to admit or own up just how messed up we truly are. You see, Pastor, you're saved 36 years. You still messed up. Yeah, don't laugh. How dare you laugh at me? Amen. It's exactly true. Amen. Now, I'm wondering what that amen meant there with Kelly. <laughs> I better stop where I'm, while I'm behind here. It is our nature to sin. Nod your head. It is our nature to sin. It's, you got a dog. You got a cat. I don't know what the nature of a cat is, besides demon-possessed. But a dog has a nature. You'll never change the nature of a dog, amen? Well, I, I, made, I, made, Fifi, <laughs> I made Fifi here into a, a, um, uh, into a horse, or I don't know what you could try. That dog is always going to be a dog, shamed of a Fifi. But uh, uh, a dog is always going to have the nature of a dog, and a human is always going to have the nature of a human. You're always going to have a battle with that old nature. We sin without even thinking about it. Don't tell me you're not selfish. See, some of you get up here and there's one last scone. <laughs> and two people are over, three people are over there, just, just like, like OK Corral. <laughs> Grab that scone. We are selfish. We, we battle lusts. We battle bitterness. We battle laziness without even thinking about it. Amen. You know what's funny? God takes note of it all. See, nobody saw that. Nobody saw that. God did. You know, there are CCTV cameras all over our planet now. Isn't that a shame? Forget the CCTV cameras. There's the eyes of God that already see you. And when you realize, Jesus said, every idle word shall be brought up at the judgment. Just the word I say without even thinking about it. The Lord's going to say, now why'd you say that? And you're going to go, you realize how messed up we are? Somebody says, well, I don't break the commandments. Yeah, you do. You just think you don't break the bad ones. But did you know, according to James chapter 2 and verse 10, the Bible says that if we break one of them, it's as if we've broken them all. So don't say, well, I've never committed adultery, except in your heart. Well, I've never, I've never, you know, done such and such. I don't know, just the devil's not going to uh, like this message, so just hold on for your hat. But the big question is this. When we realize just how lost we are, Job 25.4 comes along. Look at it. 25.4. How then can a man, a sinful man, be justified. Can we put another word in there? Made right with God. How can somebody so wrong be made right with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? Because anybody that's been born of a woman, guess what? We're sinners. 
And I'm, I'm here to tell you, it is impossible unless God does it. Would you agree with that? It is impossible. Make you right if God doesn't do it. You say, well, my priest, he's helping me. He's helping you to hell. Well, I've got a counselor. I'm sure you need one. Nothing wrong with getting talking to somebody, but that counselor will not help you one inch toward heaven. Amen. Oh, if, if you're going to ever get to heaven, if you're ever going to get clean and washed and sanctified and, and made right, it's going to be by God. Because the thing that has separated us from God is our sin. Is our sin. And who is the only person qualified to take that away? Jesus Christ. We never can justify our lives and our actions, folks. Not all of them. You may be able to justify why, you know, why you were speeding down the road, some guard pulls you over and you point to your wife. This is Kevin pointing to Eileen. She's pregnant. And the, and the guard goes, go on your way. <laughs> She's having the baby. You may be able to justify a few little situations where you're speeding or where you had to, you know, not tell the whole truth and all this. You may think you can justify some things. You can't justify them all. You need God to justify them all. So how can someone be saved from their way of life, from their nature and from their sins? Did you know anybody can be saved? Let's go to John chapter 12. John chapter, Job asks, is anybody able to be made right? And Jesus answers amazingly to Job's question. John chapter 12. John 12, 32. And I, who's speaking? You're cheating because it's in red letter, right? <laughs> and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw how many? You say, you don't realize so-and-so. I never could believe they could ever get saved. I don't think God could save the likes of me. I will draw all men unto me. Isn't that wonderful? This he said, signifying that what death he should die. And what death did he die? High up on a cross as our mediator. <clears throat> all men can come to Christ and be saved. I want you to understand, God took your place. I can't understand it. I can't fathom it. That the judge of all the universe came down off of his throne, took on a robe of flesh, came down here and came between the sinner and the judge and took the wrath of Almighty God. God did that. God didn't ask an angel to do it. An angel couldn't do it. God didn't ask a good man to do it because there are no good men to do it. He had to do it. Does that blow you away? Why? I mean, you know, there's some unanswerable questions in the Bible. Why would he do it? Only one word. He loves us. I've never known such love except from him. God took your place. Wow. He made his, he made his substitution. Now, listen, I do something, if I do something really expensive, alright, let's say, I go buy a very expensive Lexus. I mean, it's just not in me to want to just give it away. Amen? Don't look at me. Not gonna happen. <laughs> it costs me a lot to go buy a very expensive car. I'm not just going to go say, here, Bill, there's the keys, you know. God bless you. Have a great day. It just is not in me. Amen? I'm not, now, maybe you can buy him a cup of coffee, you know. <laughs> but Alexis, it cost God everything. And you know what he did? He turned around and gave it as a gift. Now, you want my Lexus? You're going to have to work for it. But God didn't say that when he gave his gift. When he gave the gift of God, Gave it as a gift. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's just, as, as Georgina said, where'd Georgina go? Sunday school. <laughs> as Georgina said, if we only understood the worth of what God has given us, He made it a gift. Once a man or woman realizes the need for salvation, realizes God has provided for their salvation, all you have to do is take it. If I, I don't have any money after yesterday, we give money to the right to life thing stuff. But if I had a 50 euro note, I'm just saying if. And I tried to give it to Gavin, when does it become his? 
when he takes it. I can shove it down his throat. You know. <laughs> but that's not God. God's a gentleman. He offers it and waits for us to take it. You know what? The distance between somebody going to heaven or hell is usually 12 inches between what they know to do and what they decide to do. I mean, if I held, if I held out a banafi pie, it'd take him all of a microsecond to grab it out of my hand. But eternal life, we fight and argue and say, I don't need it. Not today. Isn't that crazy? He offers a gift. But you have to believe it. What do I have to believe, Pastor? You have to believe that the Son of God actually came. He actually allowed sinful men to whip him and beat him and crucify him in the name of religion. So religion's out. And then he was buried. And then he rose again. And here's what you got to believe, that it was for you. See, I learned history when I was in secondary school, and I just wanted to cry. In 1914, the prince of Serbia was assassinated, and it started World War I. <laughs> then I learned some history that was about me, and that if I believed it, it would change my life. I don't care about some dummy in Serbia. I care about my soul. And I realize that Christ died and was buried and rose again for just me. And if I believe that, I no longer have to perish. But I'm given the gift of eternal life. Is that worth understanding? Just receive it. Take it. Take it, man. Simple faith. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is through Jesus Christ our Lord. He that hath the Son hath life. Okay, so. He who hath my keys hath my car. Who's got my car right now? I do. Who's got my car now? Give it back. <laughs> you get the Son, you got life. Amen. And how do you get him? I just believe in that he died for you and was buried and rose again. From that moment. Now, this is the blow away. See, we don't believe that that really could settle eternity. But if you've got eternal life, it has settled eternity. Because from that moment, you're born again, saved from wrath, converted from sinner to saint, redeemed from judgment and justified from all sin. And that's just the beginning of the list. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. Romans 10. Go to Romans 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Can you actually say that he's the Lord Jesus? And not just some good teacher. Not just some holy guy. No, he's the Lord Jesus. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised from the dead. Thou shalt be what? For with the heart man believeth unto... What did Job ask? Can a man born of a woman be justified? Can he be made righteous? Look at what it says. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, all you're doing is confession that you're saved. One of the ways I know somebody's saved is they can say it. I don't know, Pastor. I don't know if I prayed right. I, I, I don't come to church enough. I, I really got a lot to work on. Then you're not saved. Or you're thoroughly confused. Look at the, look at verse 10 again. Uh, verse 11. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be what? You say, I'm embarrassed. Good. Get over it. If you're saved, you won't be ashamed of it. For there is no difference whether you're Jew or Greek. For the same Lord... Overall is rich unto all that simply what? The Lord is rich, which means He's got plenty to give. He's got plenty of salvation to give to anybody who call on Him. Verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the Lord, name of the Lord hopes to be saved. <laughs> Aren't you glad it's not written like we think it's written? The big question is, do we need to keep ourselves saved? That's the question. And you know there's some frauds out there. There's some there's some snakes in the grass who come along and try to put a guilt trip on you and say, I'm glad you're saved, but are you living it? Now, you ought to live it. 
You better live it. I mean, look, I get married, I better live like I'm married. I got kids, I better live like I'm a parent, amen? And if I'm saved, I ought to live like it. But to be perfect, ain't going to happen. Every believer, are you ready, is still a sinner even after the new birth. Every believer is. If someone's been born again, does that mean that they are sinless? No. Only forgiven. Somebody had a bumper sticker years ago I saw. It said, um, said um, yeah, I'm not perfect, only forgiven. Christians aren't perfect. That's how it went. Christians aren't perfect, only forgiven. <sighs> That'll take, you can breathe. Christians not been, has not become perfect by their belief in Jesus, only forgiven. By the way, all of their failures, past, present, future, all of their sins, past, present, future, all of their mess-ups, everything that's wrong with them has been forgiven. Yet so many Christians believe some sins can cost you heaven. <gasps> oh, but pastor, you should hear about so-and-so. I think probably they lost it. Well, how much sin is too much? If I asked one person, they'd say, oh, this one. If I asked another one, oh, that sin is too much. Really? You know what's amazing about that? There are four facts about eternal security. Number one, any sin will cause you to lose your salvation if eternal security is not there. If once saved, always saved is not true, then it doesn't matter what sin you sin, any sin will send you back to hell. For the wages of sin... Is what? You say, what sin will send somebody to hell? The only sin that sends somebody to hell is a lack of Jesus Christ. If you think that some sin sends you to hell, well, I think so and so, his drunkenness, the way he's treated his wife, the way he abandoned his family, the way he actually ran over that cat, everything was, was evil about him. That sin, not one of those things will send anybody to hell. Because if a sin will send you to hell, any sin will. And here's the truth. If you think that a sin will stop you from being saved enough to get to heaven, then any sin is enough to stop you from getting to heaven. And Christ is not needed anymore. Go to Galatians chapter 2. <clears throat> Romans to the right. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2.21 You say, well, that better. I know I'm saved. I was saved on the 15th of June, 1980. I know I was saved. I know I'm a child of God. But you know, if I walked away from it, if I stopped believing, then I would stop being a child of God. There are people who believe that. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21. Look what it says. I do not frustrate the what of God. Contrast grace with the law. Grace with my best efforts. I don't frustrate the grace of God. I don't make it harder on God. For if righteousness come, if, if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You think about that for a minute. Before you got saved, Either you were good enough to get into heaven or you weren't. I think Christ is the only one that gets you saved. Amen? And according to that verse, even after salvation, Paul writing, if, if your righteousness can come by the law after you're saved, Paul is writing to Christians. Are you listening? And if you're, I want to say self-righteous, but I'll say that in a minute. But if your righteousness before God, God comes because of the law, then you've just said to Jesus, he's not necessary anymore. He was necessary to get me saved. It's me keeping the law that keeps me saved. Is that right or wrong? Did I lose half of you? You guys want me to go home now? I don't want to go home. You know what you're doing? You're flying blind. But you know, there's no spiritual measuring cup. I was going to bring in, I didn't get it. I was going to bring in one of these big measuring cups. It's got a liter and all the markings on there, you know, microliters and milliliters and stuff. All right. There's no spiritual measuring cup that says, oh, Brother Ledbetter, you're, you're getting close to the top. You're about to go over the top. You're about to push the limit and God's going to have to send you to hell. There's no measuring cup. 
There's no measuring tape that has you measure up to or live up to. I don't live up to anything. I am crucified with Christ. Amen. I don't, if somebody who says, well, I, I know there have to be some sins that can, can make it so that God can't forgive me. Really? Then I don't believe you're saved. Because he died for the whole world. And if he died for everybody all at once, I don't think there's anything that he can't forgive. That's a lot of sin. So somebody says, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep out of sin. I'm trying to keep my eyes right. I'm trying to keep things that go into my ear right. I'm trying to keep coming out of things that are coming out of my mouth right. I'm trying to do right. Amen. You should. You have a pattern, the life of Jesus Christ, of how to live. But if you think that by doing that, that you're keeping saved, you're saying Christ died in vain. That's what you're saying. And you're flying blind because you have no idea which sin is going to be the bad one. And lastly, you'll be playing a game of, of perpetual Russian roulette. You know what Russian roulette, you put a gun to your head and it's got one bullet in there and you spin it around and you know if this is going to be the one that's going to kill you. And some people live in fear of, I wonder if I've committed that sin. I wonder if I've done that unpardonable sin. I wonder if I have lived up to... You're living a life of guilt that was never meant to be for a Christian. One, two choices. Almost all religions have the concept of just keep doing, 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 and doing some more good and hope for the best. Go to confession. Go to Mass. Say your prayers. Honor all the saints. Yesterday we were in front of a priest from America. I didn't. And all he was doing, he was, he was quoting all the priests. So I grabbed Lily and I says, Say Lily. <laughs> Saint Celine, amen. You can say all the names of priests you want. You can go to Mass three times a day if you want. You have to go to a different church every time, by the way. Make sure that all your sins aren't accumulating. You don't have any sins on you when you die. Jesus said, you can be born again. And it's all done. Is it do, do, do? Or did he do it all? I think I'll trust him. Folks, works can never save anybody. Don't look to the law to save you. Go back to Romans and we'll finish this up. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. You say, well, I'm doing my best. That doesn't make you any better than anybody else. You say, well, somebody who never goes to church, somebody who does nothing but, but smoke and, and curse and blaspheme, and here I am, I go to church three times a week, I give my money for the poor box, I do all these things. You're telling me I'm no better than that person who doesn't care about God at all? You're no better than anybody. By the works of the law is nobody made better. What's the purpose of the law? To show you how wicked you are. That's all it is. Amen. Did I finish the last part of the verse? I didn't. For by the law is only the knowledge of sin. It's just going to show you where you're wrong. We are justified by faith alone without any of the works, without any of the keeping the law. Go to verse 18. 418, let's see if that's it. Nope. Romans 318. We are 328. 328, thank you. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Thank you. Man, I tell you what, Barry is the resident scholar on the mark. Folks, Without the deeds of the law, we are justified by faith alone. Thirdly, at no cost to the receiver. At no cost, because it's a gift. Simply because of grace. Look at verse 24. This one, I think I'm right. Being justified at what cost? Freely, by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And by believing. What am I? Believing. There's that belief again. Verse 23. 
I said 23, it shouldn't be. 24, it should be. Being justified freely by his grace. Nope, verse, where is it said? Verse 25, thank you. Whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. What's his blood got to do with anything? It's his death. A bloody, violent, judgmental death to declare his righteousness for the remission of my sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Folks, this atonement can justify the most ungodly and most sinful. Romans chapter 4 and verse 4 says this. Now to him that worketh, you're working your way to get to heaven. Well, then the reward is not reckoned of grace. It's not by grace that you're going to get to heaven, but of debt. God would owe you heaven if you could work your way. Look at verse 5. But that's not true. It is to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth. What kind of person? You say, Brother Ledbetter, let me get this, let me get this straight. Stay with me. God can make an ungodly person godly? God can make a wicked, vile, sinful person righteous? Yes. Then why would anybody believe that that person who's now been made right has to stay right to be right? If it took him everything to make you right, believe me, he's not going to waste his time making you forgiven for you to go and lose it and blow it. He doesn't do that. If he invested his son for you on the cross, he's not going to lose you after you get saved. Matter of fact, he after they fed all those 5,000 and um, uh, uh, everybody had enough to eat, they were stuffed, he said, he sent his disciples back out there and he says, go gather up all the pieces that nothing be lost. I don't lose anything. And he doesn't. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I thought, uh, some of you in this room, maybe you struggle with it, I thought you would say, through my good works. I'm still living by good works, trying to stay good enough to get the peace of God. No, you have it already. We have the peace of God. By whom, verse 2, we also have access simply by what? Faith under this amazing grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Chapter 5, verse 6 says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Did Christ love me when I was a sinner before I got saved? Yes or no? Does Christ love me as a sinner after I'm saved? Yes. Isn't that wonderful? You say, Pastor, I, I, I lost you a half hour ago. <laughs> this is all without you doing anything. Salvation is not what you do, it's what he did. And until you realize the value, as, as Georgina said, of what God has done for you, you'll never want to live it. You'll always wonder whether you are living at all. The work that brings us salvation is the same that keeps us safe. Now, I'm not going to do anything but read these because next week we'll go over them. But a believer is not just saved. We're born all over again. And if God wants to, if you ever lost your salvation, he'd have to abort you. Because you were born in his family, he would have to abort you. I have been fully justified. I have been adopted into God's family. And you know the rules and the laws of adoption are more powerful than the laws of natural birth. You know, if I've got two kids and one of them's adopted and one of them's not, I always wonder about some of our kids. But anyway, I've got some that are and some that aren't. The ones that are my children, naturally, I can disown from my will. But the ones that are adopted, I can never disown from my will. That's the law of adoption. And the same is true. God disowned his own son so he could bring me into his family and never disown me. Does that blow you away? Sure does me. I'm already seated in heavy places. You say, where are you, Brother Ledbetter? Well, I'm, I'm here in Valley College, but there's a part of me that's already seated in heaven. God already has me already home in his mind. Imagine me me finding out I get to heaven, the Lord saying, what are you doing here? I sent you home a week ago. <laughs> nope, I'm already seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. I am sealed. The Lord packaged me up and I cannot be opened 
The Holy Spirit's inside and will not be released until I get to him. I'm hid in Christ. Say, the devil comes looking for me. He can't find me because I'm hiding under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm in Christ and the Lord. only reason why the devil has any say in me is when I go looking for him. I've been translated. Translate is a good word. You know, they translate from Chinese into English, poor human. But uh, doing all this translation, well, I've been translated out of from darkness into light and into the kingdom of God's dear Son. I've been changed. And I've been completely forgiven. And one other one, I'm kept. You see, all of those, all of those things are byproduct of one person in my life. Who is it? None of this can be undone by my failure. You know why? Because none of it was received by my goodness. Amen. Is anybody getting excited yet? You see, some of you aren't afraid of hell anymore. But the devil will come along and he will give you shame, give you guilt and say, I wonder if I prayed right. I wonder if I really meant it. I, I, I wonder if I said all the right words. I've been saved so many times and I don't know if I'm really saved. Let me tell you, Christ died for sinners. Are you a sinner? Did you one time believe it as best as you could that Christ died for you and was buried and rose again? Realize the devil can't take that away from you. You say, I, I, I didn't understand. None of us do. But it works. It sweetly works. If one saved, not, always saved is not true, then we're saved by our faith and our works. And we're kept saved by our faith and our works. And that is blasphemy. That's Roman Catholicism. That's Protestantism. That is not Bible. Then all our good deeds are part of our salvation. Because Jesus' death wasn't enough. I've had people at the doors tell me as I knock on the door and I show them the gospel and I tell them, you must be born again. You need Christ. And they say, no, I believe Jesus died for about 90% of my sins. I've got to take care of the rest. Wow, <laughs> you're, you're in trouble. His death was not enough to a lot of people. And it contradicts a lot of scripture. We can't even go through it. Not today. And if once saved, always saved is not true, then it creates an unlivable scenario where we have to try and do enough good to outweigh, even after we're saved, all our sinful natures after we claim to be born again. I don't want to live there. I don't want to constantly worry, have I done enough? I want to do enough. I want to live for the Lord. I want to burn out for the Lord Jesus. Amen. But you know what? If I fail, if I end up in the hospital, my voice gone, my motor neurons all, I'm just shaking, I can't, I can't speak, I can't do anything for the next 10 years of my life, I can still claim to be born again, child of God, going to heaven. Because of Jesus. Say, well, Pastor Ledbetter's not doing anything for God anymore. He didn't have to do anything for God to begin with. Amen? Does this mean that he gives us a license to sin? Imagine every Christian carrying around, I have a license to sin. Don't, don't judge me. I can have a license to sin. I can do whatever I want. Really? If the eternal consequence of sin, hell, has been now removed, which it has, I can do anything I want, right? <clears throat> Romans 6 uses some of the strongest words in the Bible. God forbid, how shall we continue in sin. No. Did you know, even though the eternal consequences for your sin, which is hell forever, has been taken away because you were born again, he didn't remove all the consequences of sin, did he? God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Listen, you not all the consequences for your sin. You say, you know, Pastor, I've got... Six illegitimate children. When you got saved, those children didn't disappear. Pastor, I've got emphysema because I've been smoking since I was nine years old. And I just got saved. Is God going to take my emphysema away? No. The consequences for sin don't, all of them don't go away when you got saved. Only the consequences of hell. So in other words... I forget what I was going to say. i got to find my place. When a Christian continues to live in their sin, they will not lose their eternal life, but they can lose just about everything else. All the way from you can lose your family, you can lose your sanity, 
and you'll lose every reward that God wants to give you just for living for Him. Salvation is not a reward, it's a gift. But if you ever do anything out of sacrifice for the Lord, God wants to reward you and make it worth your while, but you can blow it. You can't blow heaven. You can't blow standing before the presence of Jesus Christ as a forgiven child, but you can blow almost everything else. Philippians 3 9. Philippians chapter 3. While you're turning there, next week we're going to explore more of the security that we have in Jesus Christ and I'll show you about people who should have lost their salvation. If I mention the name David, would you think of a good guy or bad guy? Good guy. Would you say bad? <laughs> That's right. But you know that one incident, if anybody could lose their salvation, that one incident should have done it. He had five heinous sins. Not just adultery, not just murder, but cover up. And he didn't have any remorse for almost a year. Five heinous sins. And he was quite content to live that way for the rest of his life. If anybody should have lost it, it should have been him. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about our security in Christ and about people who should have lost their salvation and the influence of modern versions on the confusion that's out there. You know, there's so many different religions, so many churches. You know why? Because there's so many Bibles. Everybody wants to have their own Bible and their own doctrine instead of just going, what saith the Scripture? I'm going to talk about some money-grubbing uh, uh, false prophets and preachers. Just say this. Nothing can now get you to become lost again, unforgiven, condemned again, headed for hell once you've been truly born again of the Spirit of God. Nothing can. The devil can't take your forgiveness away from you. Failure can't take it away. Confusion and unbelief can't take it away. Because Christ is our righteousness. Full stop. He is our righteousness. And it is only self-righteous pride that makes Christians believe a person has to stay good enough to go to heaven. And there's a little bit of Pharisee in all of us. I'm glad for a doctrine that knocks it in the teeth and says, I have nothing but Christ. Only His righteousness, only His goodness for such a sinner like me. And I rest in that. Father, we bow in awe of what has been done for us. And it puts us way out of the picture. It puts us down at the bottom of the heap, realizing it's all Christ, only Him. What Your Son did is enough for anybody and everybody. It would be wonderful if 7.5 billion people called on Your name. There is enough grace for all of them to be born again right now at the same time. That's how much grace You have. And there's still more. And that same grace that can save 7.5 billion wicked, vile, ungodly, uninterested, blaspheming, cursing sinners in this world can keep them saved once they get saved. And that's that's our thrill. And that's our doctrine this morning, Lord, that we can stand on and say, thank you, God. I don't need to worry about my salvation, but I sure need to worry about others. I don't need to work to stay saved, but I need to work my tail off to get somebody else saved. Never again should I doubt ever what Christ did for me. Lord, if there's somebody in this room who's never just made that childlike decision to believe, to believe with all their heart, broken as it may be, they would just cry out with a desperate cry, call on a two-syllable name, Jesus. They would just call on your name to save them. You'll do it because you justify the ungodly. You forgive what we consider to be the unforgivable. You save the uttermost. Lord, thank you for once saved, always saved. But more need to get saved. I pray that, Lord, the devil would never have any more hand in our guilt. But our only shame would be have we told someone such a wonderful story. Can we not do it once a day? Can we not just care? Because we're okay.
I pray that you'd bless this message to the hearts of your people and we would take it very seriously and very joyfully. And we'd live it now. Never looking back. I know I haven't answered all the questions. I know there's all kinds of little issues and next week we'll answer some more of them. But today, I know that I know that I know I'm saved and I'm kept by the same power. In Jesus' name, amen.